Dear Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the gift of salvation, for the giving of thyself, dear Father, to save us from certain death, from an eternity away from thee. And dear Father, the gospel does not um, make sense otherwise, dear Father, if we don't understand and grasp that we are truly separated from thee and dead in our sins apart from thee. Dear Father, we're thankful that those of us that have grasped this by faith, that we can walk in newness of life. And we plead, dear Father, please be merciful to those that are still outside the fold of grace. Grant them a little more time to understand this, dear Father, to, to lay everything at thy feet, to experience uh, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Dear Father, we ask for thy blessing in this afternoon hour as we uh, open thy word. We ask for a blessing of uh, those that are departing for Israel, and uh, we pray for, for them for a blessing on their time there, for safety. Uh, we pray, as we are reminded in thy word, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray that things would be peaceful there and that there would be nothing untoward that happens. But, dear Father, we, as we pray everything, we pray according to thy will, and, and we know all things are working according to thy plan. Now to have a plan for thy people, thy, thy nation, Israel, as we've just sung in the final hymn. Dear Father, as we pray these things, we ask also for a blessing on our, our dear brothers and sisters that are going through difficulties, trials, uh, trials of health, um, chronic or, or uh, worsening conditions. Dear Father, help. Dear Father, heal, save in thine own way, in, in thy, with thine own special power. Help each one to trust fully and completely in thee. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to continue with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter nine. This is a continuation from chapter eight. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye 
always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work as it is written he hath dispersed abroad he hath given to the poor his righteousness remaineth forever now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whiles by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I read the entire chapter. May God bless the reading of his word. It's been a while, I think over a month, since I last preached from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. But this is a continuation of, of chapter 8. The subject is, is giving. It's very specific. There's a specific um, context here. I'll take just a few minutes to recap that. The first five verses here of this chapter, they kind of are a recap, as it were. So the context was the collection for the saints at Jerusalem. There was a famine in, Jeru in Judea at that time, and they were collecting in the churches that were uh, the Gentile churches, farther afield for the saints and and um, Paul was exhorting brothers to go make that collection and in the end I think he went with that collection or one such collection to Jerusalem that's the context and the context also was that they planned they'd expressed a, um, an interest a willingness to do this to contribute to this collection a year ago those in Achaia, that's where Corinth, the Church of Corinth was. It's a region of, of Greece, the lower peninsula. Macedonia is the upper peninsula, um, the upper part of Greece. They expressed an interest to do this. They said, yes, we we're willing to do this. And it took time, right? It, it's not, I would imagine they would want a, a sizable collection, a large collection. You know, traveling wasn't easy in those days. You couldn't just hop on a plane like our, our brethren are doing now. It would take some time. And... They wanted to make a sizable collection, and it would have taken some time to collect that. So that's why they'd, they'd expressed an interest to do that a year ago, and now he, he took the previous chapter to remind them, to encourage them. Okay, make good on the, on the, on the promise that you have uh, promised about giving. And he does it in a, in a good way, I think. You know, some people read some sarcasm into here. I don't read the sarcasm. I think he's giving them the benefit of the doubt. He's saying, um, you know, I'm giving you plenty of time, plenty of heads up, as it were. Make this collection good. You don't want to be caught in an embarrassing, awkward situation after you said you were going to do this and you inspired those other churches in Macedonia to collect those poor churches in Macedonia, and now we come to you and, and you won't be ready. You won't have... So he's, he's giving him the benefit of the doubt, giving him a time to, to make that right. And he kind of concludes that in verse 5, saying, you know, I really want this to be as a matter of generosity, of bounty, not as a matter of you feel guilty or you've, you think that I'm grasping, I'm covetous, uh, 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 like uh, it's for me. 
That's, that's, that's how he wants to leave it. But then he takes the latter part of this chapter from verse 6 on to, again, I think, to help them to see the principles, the big things here. And this is why this is the Word of God. This is why the Word of God is enduring and why we're still reading it today. We don't necessarily need to know all the particulars of the details of the collection, that that's interesting and we can learn from that, but we want to see, we want to understand the bigger principles of God's Word, the, 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 the why we should be giving in the first place, why, how we should be conforming to this Word. And that's what Apostle Paul spends verse 6 onward looking at these principles of giving. What is giving? You know, we think immediately, oh, financial. That's what that means. And definitely, that's the context here. That's what it's speaking of. But it's so much more than that. You know, giving really is me giving something. That's bad to use a definition where you're using the same word. But when it's something that, that is mine by right, you know, it's mine by right. And it's, it's in my possession. I have it. And I choose to bestow it upon someone else. And, you know, it wasn't a necessity. It's not like taxes or something like that where I have to. The law says it's free. It's, it's I'm giving of myself. It's within my possession. I have the freedom, and I'm giving. And that's, that touches everything. That touches so much, not just finances. When we give of our time, when we give of ourselves, of our experience, of our even of our personality, you know, like some people are, it's easy for them to share of themselves. I think maybe I'm more of the other type where, where I like to be a little bit more private and I don't always, always divulge, you know, what I'm thinking. And, but even that, me f- sharing something personal or something within myself, that's a form of giving. That's a form of bestowing something that I didn't necessarily have to tell you, but I want to do it because of the, the Spirit of God that prompts me. So that's what giving is. And this form of giving is really God's um, design for us to experience his abundant life. You know, this is the exact opposite of what you've heard the, the, called the prosperity gospel. You know, like you give a certain amount and the Lord will give back. No, that's just focused on the material. That's just focused on the, the dollars. No, I, I give this and I'm going to get that much back. No, this is, a, this is a, a something far deeper of, of the nature of quality of life, of experiencing God's life more abundantly. As I give of myself, I experience Him more abundantly. And that's, I guess, the question, the first and, and, and major question before us in verse 6 here is, how much do you want to experience God? How much do you want to, to experience Him he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. How much do I want to experience God? I think that is tied to how much I'm willing to give of myself, to let go of what I think is mine. The more I do that, the more I practice verse 7 here, this verse that we memorize often, the more I will live in verse 8. Verse 7 and verse 8. And that's the question in verse 6 is, okay, do you want to experience, do you want to reap bountifully? 
Well, then live verse 7, and you'll experience the promise in verse 8. So let's look at verse 7 here first. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Good verse to memorize. Every man. This applies to everyone. Everyone needs to give in some way or other. Remember what Jesus highlighted, that example of the widow with the two mites? Everyone. Everyone can give in in, in some capacity or other. There is no mindset that says, this doesn't apply to me. And we all have to search our hearts. How does the Lord want me to give to others? In what ways? With what I have? It's so important to teach that at a young age. And uh, something that, that I don't think I'm a naturally giving person in some ways. And, and I'm so thankful that I have a helpmate to help me do that. Every man, according as he purposeth, intentionally. It's got to be purposeful and intentional not just because someone said I have to, or there is a social expectation that, oh, well, you should. No, it should be intentional of the, the intention, that the, how I'm inspired of the Lord directs me as he purposeth in his heart. And this one, I never thought of it this way before, but you know what? How we give is actually a reflection of what's in our heart. That's an indication Jesus said it very succinctly. He said, for where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also, right? So how I give and what I do with the treasure, the physical stuff I have, it's going to be a reflection of what, what's in my heart. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Grudgingly, I think often that can be if, if we are... Um, worried or fretful about how people are going to misuse this you know not that we give uh, uh, foolishly or with our eyes closed but it's really you know beyond the act of giving we don't have to worry too much you know oh, are they going to misuse it or not if i'm giving cheerfully as the lord has directed me that is a blessing in and of itself or of necessity it's not like taxes i have to do it for god loveth a cheerful giver and this word cheerful here is the um, only time it appears in the New Testament. It's the Greek word hilarious. It's not how we use the word hilarious now, that all oh, that's really funny, but it's kind of maybe has that connotation of the exhilarating joy as you experience God through giving. And you have to think, you know, do we... The only way we can fulfill this, the only way we can be really be cheerful givers in the way that this is talking about is if we really believe in the kingdom, if we really believe in the values of God's kingdom. You know, if, you know, you spend money cheerfully when you know you're getting a good deal, right? When you know I'm going to give a certain amount of money and I'm getting something really valuable in return, you, you, you part with that money cheerfully. It's the same way for this kind of cheerful giving. If I part with my money or whatever it is cheerfully because I know the value. What's the value I'm getting? God loveth a cheerful giver. I'm pleasing the Father heart. That is like the best deal, the best value you can find is to please your Father's heart by cheerful giving. That helps a little bit, doesn't it? When I'm focused on Him in the giving, 
and the pleasure that this brings his heart, then I can do it cheerfully. I can part with my time out, oh, well, all the other things I have to do or, or the other things that are piling up behind me. I can give this cheerfully because I know it's pleasing God. Then I can be a cheerful giver. And as we do that, as we live in verse 7, as we obey cheerfully from the heart God's instructions to give, to give to others, to open, to, to, to share of ourselves in whatever capacity, then this promise in verse 8, look at this promise. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound in every good work. Apostle Paul just piles on the alls in this verse 8. Just, just wants to make you, us all understand just how abundant God's provision can be. How sufficient we can be in him. Not self-sufficient, but in him, as we rest in him, as we give, as we uh, look towards him, as we're uh, looking to, to, to do the things that please him, life abounds in the richest sort of way. Reminds me of 1 Timothy 6, where he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. There's a, there's a real gain here. And it's not the physical necessarily. You know, the, the, the prosperity gospel says, if you give X amount of dollars, the Lord's going to increase that bank account. And he certainly can do that. And I think he often does to those that are, are, are diligent in giving because he's entrusting more to those who are faithfully using. But people that are material, they look at that and they think, okay, well, I want the good life, so I just got to give a certain amount and then I'm going to experience it. But 1 Timothy 6 also says, let me find it. It also says, you know, first it says, godliness with contentment is great gain. This is the kind of gain that I want. And then he says, uh, two verses later, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So I can be truly content, truly sufficient, abounding in all and everything with just food and clothing. He didn't even co cover shelter there. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. And this is Paul. This is his life. This is how he lived. Um, it wasn't. This is just theory, or he's just saying some kind of high, high-sounding ideas. He is living in verse eight, and having God abound in toward him in all ways as he's giving, as he's giving of himself, of his time, of his blood, of his sweat, um, and he is experiencing God's sufficiency, and he's content, and that is a great gain for him. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able. That's the big picture here, isn't it? In all these things as we think, oh, I have to give, or, or um, I, these things that I have, if I part with this, how is, you know, will I have enough in the future? God is able. He quotes, he says, He that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. God is the one that's causing everything to grow anyway. You know, I was reading a book recently that this is the base, the base technology, agriculture. This is how all of, you know, it all comes down to this, what we eat. You know, if we don't have food, all of this and everything else in the building of our head doesn't mean anything. 
It all comes down to, in the end, will crops grow out of the ground? God is sustaining that. If that doesn't happen, nothing happens. Society falls apart, people starve, they die. God is the one that's making the, the seeds grow and germinate right now on the ground. He's the one that's multiplying that, making the bread. He's the one that, he's holding the whole world in his hand. That is the God that I serve and the God that, that is leading me to give and, and, and to, to share. So not only physically, though, he ministers seed to the sower, uh, um, bread for the food, multiplies the seed sown, but it says here, verse 10, and increases the fruits of your righteousness. And this is the, the, the real, the last part of this chapter here is what he focuses on. What God is going to do with the physical gift that they are giving, the collection that they're going to give. How God is going to increase the fruits of that righteousness. And that's really where our hearts should be in all of this, to look how spiritually God is going to multiply this, how he's going to work his will spiritually through these things. Look what happens, verse 11 to 15. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. As the Corinthians contribute to this gift, thanksgiving is going to arise. It's going to arise from those people that are receiving the gift. It's going to arise as they receive this gift from, from people that love them and care for them. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, there's a real need, physical need that's being met. There's people starving in Judea right now, and your gift is going to help them. It's going to help put food on the table, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings to God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, so funny wording there in modern um, terms, but by this basically this service, this, this act of, minute of service, they will glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. This is, I don't know if you remember last time we talked in chapter 8, Paul's spiritual vision in this whole thing is this is going to help to bring the churches together. The Gentiles and the Jewish believers are going to be knit together by this act of service, this love, this gift. That's the big picture. That's what he's really excited about in this. As, as the Judean, you know, they may have heard some things about the church in Corinth and some of the trouble that was going on there, and they might think, well, are these guys even really Christians? What's going on here? But imagine as they receive that gift and they realize they really do care for us, these people. They've taken the time, they spent this time to put aside a collection. They care for us. We are one in Christ through that physical act of giving. They glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men, so not just to, the, to uh, fellow believers. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Now, these two groups of believers are going to be praying for each other, are going to be caring for each other. There's a longing going to be going on because of this, because of this communication, Hebrews 13 says. But to do good and communicate, that's this koinonia, this commonness, this sharing between you. That's, that's how this thing is going to increase. This is God increasing the fruits of their righteousness, multiplying. 
This is the big picture in, in giving. And, and I have to think, are we reaping sparingly because we're not living in verse 7? And I, and I don't mean financially. I don't mean your bank account. But are we reaping spiritually sparingly because we are not giving of ourselves? Because we're not willing, we're looking too much on our own things, what's for me, and not realizing, yeah, this is all mine, but the Lord wants me to, to use it for others and, and to impart and to give to others to please his heart. And then I think there will be a, a more bountiful reaping spiritually of, of um, the things that really matter, the increase in the fruits of our righteousness. God, God sees this and he knows this. Um, this verse 9 here, it's a quote from Psalm 112. He, he is talking about someone who gives. He hath dispersed abroad. Someone who gives liberally and widely. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. God knows. He, through this, this subjecting ourselves, this giving of ourselves, our godly character is being formed. That's the type of righteousness that endures, the type of righteousness God multiplies, that he increases the fruits of as we do that. May the Lord help us to, to, to see this important topic, that which we don't often preach about, but Paul spent two chapters in 2 Corinthians writing about. There's fundamental principles here that he wants to mold and shape us to, to give a, a more as he does give that last verse there. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That's such an eloquent closing, such a short, concise closing of this whole topic. He says, all the glory goes to God. He has given us so much. The gift that he gave, what did he give? The children know. He gave his only begotten son. He gave up, his only son gave up what he had, the riches he had in glory, the one of the second last hymn, or the third last hymn we sang, um, 49, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? This puts the perspective to us. I think giving is one of those things where, if you think about it, it the fallen nature of man, let me say this carefully the fallen nature of man who is made in the image of God is displayed and what I mean by that is the natural inclination is not to give the natural inclination of, of fallen man is to keep to himself but even fallen man has experienced you know you and I can think back experiences where before we knew Christ where we would give and you'd experience that joy and that pleasure it's like I gave and there it was like you, there, was, there was a recreation of, of not recreation, but the, uh, some of, of God's, his spirit of who he is in that. You experience that. And it's with good reason. We are made in the image of God. We're fallen, but we're made in the image of God. And God is the ultimate giver. The, the joy and the pleasure that he receives from giving liberally and freely to everyone, that's, that's the nature of who he is. That's his character. And... And even in our fallen state, we can experience that when there's some giving of ourselves that goes against the natural human nature. Now, God's intention 
for you, my friend outside of Christ, is to give yourself to him completely. Be transformed, and then you can always live in that state. Do I always live in that state of, 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 of generous and free giving? Oh, I'm sad to say I don't. But I, I do know the Father heart now, and, 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 and the way back into his lap, into his presence to please him. And that's, that's my desire. That's where I want to be, in his presence, pleasing him through, through freely giving of myself. My friend outside of Christ, the way to do that is give yourself to him. Like Paul said to the Mas- of the Macedonians, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to do uh, as, as he had instructed and, and commanded. May God multiply our efforts this week. May he increase the fruits of our righteousness. May he open our eyes to see where there's needs and where we should be helping out. May we have the courage and the the grace to make decisions this week, the weeks ahead, the, the months ahead, to choose less of ourselves, maybe to choose a lifestyle that's a little less than the world around me says is necessary in order so that I can give more like God does. With that, we'd commend you to his care. This concludes our service.